Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome to today's episode of New Cyber Frontier. On today, we have Tom Ulrich, uh, who is well known for a blog that he runs in energy and uh, security for critical infrastructure, but uh, is a consultant for cybersecurity for electric power industry, uh, and now does a lot of work with software bill of materials. Tom, welcome. Thanks for joining today. Yeah, thanks, Christopher. Definitely. So just in, in kind of introducing you to our listeners, tell us about your background and you know how you got to the point where you are working in energy system security and uh, you know, a little bit about your blog. Okay. Well, I started off as a child, but uh, my working career... Oh, you know, I had that same <laughs> approach. <laughs> did you? you did. It's fairly popular. Yeah, Most people is, seem to is. do it I've that way. A people that start that way. Yeah, yeah. Some don't. Some start as adults, but usually they start as a child. But in any case, um, I've been um, involved with networking and and cybersecurity since uh, literally the eighties, <laughs> and um, I've been in cybersecurity for critical infrastructure since two thousand eight when I. Um, was working with a, a small company that's um, started working on, on the NERC SIP standards um, that is doing consulting with them. Um, I joined Honeywell in 2010 and worked with them for five years again with, you know, consulting on NERC SIP primarily. And then with uh, Deloitte, pretty much the same thing for three years after that. In 2018, I formed my own company. Which remains in existence, uh, Tom Orch LLC, uh, and I've uh, recently uh, fallen in with a bad crowd at the Department of Commerce, uh, the National Technology and Information Administration, which is uh, which is an organization, you know, an organization that's actually um, promoting right now. They've they promote a lot of technologies like uh, um, DNS, <laughs> um, and uh, they the idea is they they get the industry together, the stakeholders together, to decide what the rules of the game should be. They don't write regulations, um, and so with right now the what this group is doing, it's called the uh, Software Component Transparency Initiative. Um, part of the NTIA, which is part of Department of Commerce, is um, developing rules and ru regulations for SBOM, uh, rules and procedures for SBOM, um, which is Software Bill of Materials. So, what is a Software Bill of Materials? There you yeah, go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm ask your question for you. Um, it's a list of the, so the components in your software. The re reason why you need that is because the software is 
you know, software nowadays is primarily writing software is primarily um, assembling components. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, the uh, average software product probably has up to 90, 95% components. Um, and, and they're the average product has probably around 150 components nowadays, but there are plenty of products with like thousands, literally thousands of components in them. And so you have these little pieces of software. I mean, they're, they're, programs in themselves and they've been incorporated into this larger program, but they, each one can have vulnerabilities. Uh, and yet when you look in the national vulnerability database or in any other vulnerability database, it shows you the product, the vulnerabilities that are in the product itself, but not the component vulnerabilities because the NVD doesn't know what the component vulnerability, what the components are. And so you can, the only way you can know about the vulnerabilities and the components is if you have an S bomb, because mm-hmm. that says right. here's component A, you know, and, and that you can then look those up in the NVD, all the components and find out what the vulnerabilities are. Now the suppliers know this. So I mean, they've already, they're all a, using S bombs now. Take Go a ahead. Here. Sorry. Let's- Let's take a break here and hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. We're going to unpack that some more. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today, talking with Tom Ulrich, who before the break, we were getting into software bill of materials, SBOM, we like to call it. Uh, we're dropping mm-hmm. an SBOM today. Um, and um, you, were, you were explaining the, you know, the, all the pieces that go into software. So, you know, just in, in, in unpacking that a little bit, quite often we hear all the pieces of software that go into a system, a computer. But now we're actually kind of going back and saying that one piece of software that lots of them go on to computers, what all pieces of code written by different developers go into that? Yeah, that's yeah I mean, at. like, exactly. Yeah, okay, like your ahead, operating system explain has... how you're looking at being able to track that because it comes from so, so widely. Well, it's really the... The bill of materials is really created as part of the um, development process by the supplier. So they will create an SBOM and all the big suppliers now use them for their own internal purposes. Um, So they they create an SBOM. They they know all the components that are in there and they, um, they can track vulnerabilities. You know, each of those components can be looked up in the NVD. And uh, sometimes it's not too straightforward, but you can do it. And then you, you then know what the, component, the vulnerabilities are that apply to those components. 
you can then, uh, you know, mitigate those vulnerabilities. Um, or you can not mitigate them, as unfortunately some suppliers do. Um, so, but right now the problem is the suppliers are not providing them in general, in, with very few exceptions, they're not providing them to their users. So the users have no idea what components are in there. And therefore, they have no idea what the vulnerabilities are in those components. Mm -hmm. And so there is, there's, there's no question that the number of vulnerabilities in a product that are due to components are many times the number of vulnerabilities that are due to the code that the supplier wrote itself, which probably isn't much more than 10% of the code <laughs> in the whole product. So you have this kind of big ice, you know, below the water section of the iceberg and and which is the component vulnerabilities and you have a little piece at the top that you can see which is the supplier vulnerabilities but now the idea of vest bomb is to let them see the the whole iceberg not just the part above the water yeah. so uh what is so just, go ahead just kind of uh yeah kind of my immediate thoughts were hey if i mm -hmm. put that out there people might know to attack me a certain way because now I've revealed that I might have a weakness where before yeah. they didn't know. And so they didn't go after me. That that's exactly what a lot of, you know, and, and it's a legitimate objection. And then you hear that all the time. In fact, that's probably the largest objection. It's very easily answered. The ability to see the component, the supplier isn't the only one who can figure out the components. The there's, um, software composition analysis tools, which um, will do that for you. Mm -hmm. And so those tools are available to anybody. <laughs> so the bad guys have those tools already. You can be damn sure of it. And when they want to know if they want to attack a particular product, they can, uh, they can use one of those tools. They can get the S-bomb themselves. They can look up all the vulnerabilities. So the bad guys have this information already. That's the problem. What you want is to get it to the customers. Right now, the customers are the only ones who don't know what's going on. You want to give them the same information that the suppliers have and the bad guys have. Mm -hmm. And then they can take steps to defend, defend themselves when the supplier hasn't done so. Now, and there are various reasons why the supplier might not have done so. I mean, it's not that just that they're bad people and it's not that <laughs> they aren't bad people, but... The, you know, there are various reasons why, why they might not be able to patch a vulnerability right away in a component. And so this, the user should be able to take measures on their own to patch, you know, to mitigate the vulnerability because there are other ways you can mitigate it rather than just patch it. So, but they can't do that now. And so without having a, a software bill of materials. So that's the whole reason for this initiative. It's to get get the rules going. And, and the reason they're not being distributed is not that the suppliers are trying to pull the wool over their users' eyes. It's because they don't, um, you know, the rules aren't set out. Mm -hmm. You know, no one's quite sure, well, you know, when do we have to do this? How often should we do it? And so the, that's what this group is. It's kind of, it's suppliers and users working out what the rules are. And you know, it's, it's very interesting and, and it's not, it's no longer kind of a, well, gee, this is kind of nice to do. It's now been ordered by, um, 
President Biden in executive order on May 12th, um, was a, all, which is covering a lot of uh, things having to do with software security, a really comprehensive order. But one of the things it ordered was federal agencies have to start using, will start requiring SBOMs from their software suppliers. Um, it's going to work out to next August. They're going to have to start doing that. So now there's kind of a, a deadline hanging over people's heads. So, mm-hmm. you know, a deadline focuses the attention. We all know that. Yeah. So is this um just for federal agencies when you look at this this executive order, or does it going to extend into consumers and outside, you know, companies it, outside? Well, it's mandatory for federal agencies. No, it doesn't extend to consumers. On the other hand, there's no question at all that it's going to um affect everybody because the software suppliers aren't going to have two versions of their product one you know one safe version and one non-safe version and they're going to you know give uh, all the rest of us the non-safe version they'll just keep the safe version for the for the government they're going to have one version and it's going to they'll do s bombs for everybody now so and believe me and the private industry is very interested in this now and uh, you know, what I'm working with is, is a, a proof of concept run by the NTIA um, for the energy industry, the power, electric power industry in particular, mm-hmm. and where, you know, software suppliers are producing S-bombs and u- electric utilities primarily are ingesting them and using them for vulnerability management. And trying to work out the processes. And this, by the way, the S-bombs all have to be machine readable. We're, we're no, you know, when you've got like, you can have, <laughs> there's one particular software product which is on millions of desks in the United States that has 5,000 components. So there's no way you can track 5,000 components manually. It all has to be in a, you know, automated process. So these are all machine readable documents. And, um, you know, and you have to have automated processes for reading them too. And a lot of that, you know, a lot of what what's going on with this initiative in general is is just trying to specify what the tools are looking going to look like, mm-hmm. you know, that are going to be needed, the software tools needed to interpret all of this. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, w- when we come back from break, we're going to talk more about, uh, you know, the regulation aspect and, uh, Obviously, if, if there's going to be a requirement, there has to be an oversight mm-hmm. body or there has to be something that, that comes into existence, whether it's voluntarily by the industry or whatnot, um, and you know how you, you, you maybe plan to, to do that. But we'll be right back after we uh, hear from our sponsors. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. On today, talking to Tom Ulrich 
uh, Tom a famous from his blog um, and uh, is a uh, in the the critical infrastructure, but now working very closely on the software bill of materials. We just uh, talked about before the break that uh, President Biden had uh, put an executive order out uh, just last couple of weeks, right, or a month ago or so, um, that uh, requires uh, by next year sometime that uh, federal contractors providing software to federal governments have to list what components go into it. Um, how's that going to be? How are we going to oversee that? Is that going to be a voluntary industry thing? What's that look like? And is that something part of what you're working on? It, um, well, it, uh, the, you know, Office of Management Budget will um, police it for the federal government. Mm -hmm. So now they're not going to pull the S-bombs apart and say, hey, you missed this point. NIST is developing guidelines um, based on a document that the NTIA put out um, a month or two after the executive order. They were ordered to in the order itself. Um, and NIST is, gonna, is using that document to develop guidelines. And those guidelines are going to be out in February of next year. Mm -hmm. And so they're not mandatory. Uh, you're not going to be hauled into court <laughs> for violating section whatever of this guidelines. But the idea is, uh, you know, the the executive branch needs to follow them. I mean, the, well, no, the, the entire government, not just the executive branch. And so um, so they will all need to require S-bombs from the suppliers, exactly what they get. You know, the supplier may not know what an S-bomb is and may not care. And Well, they hopefully will follow what the guidelines are. Mm -hmm. But, um, there, you know, a lot of some of it is probably not going to be very good. But the point is that... Um, you know, you want the market to really push this along. You, you know, you don't want to have a huge regulatory apparatus with legions of people auditing S-bombs. You know, it's just not a um, not a good use of resources. And it, and it will stifle innovation. It, won't, it will have just the opposite effect that you want. Yeah. So, um, so there won't be a mandatory apparatus. Now, in particular industries... Um, you know, like defense and things, um, there could very well be regulations. Um, again, I hope they're not heavy handed. I think they just, hopefully they just say, well, there needs to be an S bomb and without trying to specify it down to the, you know, you know, every dot, dotted I yeah. or cross T, you know, well, it seems like at some point, you know, almost everything that, that comes out, they say, okay, it's voluntary. Voluntary is so subjective that eventually yeah, right. it leads to, well, here's a a a or a a format, a framework, and that framework becomes a standard. Then the standard standard becomes standard becomes a re requirement or a regulation, and then an enforcement body has to come in and do an independent analysis. You know how far down that road do we go? Yeah, well, I, I took economics classes with Milton Friedman at the University of Chicago a long time ago. And he, he just loved that word voluntary. You know, he said, you know, we, the administration had just come out with voluntary wage and price guidelines. And he said, it's a rather Orwellian use of the word voluntary. You do this voluntarily or I'm going to hit you over the head. But um, yeah, no, but I mean, uh, 
the point is that people do need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will improve the overall level of cybersecurity. So you think there's a greatly. voluntary, yeah. maybe the next steps of voluntary registry where we start some kind of having an archive? Well, what would be really nice would be a, a supplier registry. Mm-hmm. Um, because just identifying suppliers is very hard. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously Microsoft, well, even like Microsoft, What's their name? <laughs> Someone in our group has reported, you know, who's done a lot of work on this area, had said that, you know, she's found at least 17 names for Microsoft at Microsoft. You know, it's Microsoft Inc. and whatever. You know, that's the point, that, that the suppliers don't even refer themselves consistently, let alone the rest of the world. And so you have to be, you know, if there were a, you know, so you have to often take kind of a guess of what the, the name is. And, you know, you have to do a bunch of searches in the NVD to, to find out what it really is. Mm-hmm. But, um, but if there were an actual registry for suppliers, it wouldn't be mandatory. But, you know, I, I mean, a great example is DNS, which was also put together by the NTIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't invent the technology, but they put it together. They were the first registrar for DNS Mm -hmm. and they then turned it over to the, uh, IANA, the internet and assigned numbers authority. And they run it today with a hundred thousand, hundred million dollar budget. Um, and, and yet the entire thing is voluntary. No one has to use DNS. You know, if you want to, if you want your users to find your website by entering a 24, you know, character string, um, IPv6 address, go for it. You know, if you think that's going to help your business, you don't want them to go to tomwalwichblog.blogspot.com, but, you know, just, you know, this huge long address that you want to enter that every time they go to you, you know, you can do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the point is, you know, if you follow the rules, everyone's going to work well because the, the, um, you know, I mean, that, that's the way business works. they, The, the rules are worked out, and when everyone follows them, they all prosper. If they don't follow them, they don't get thrown in jail. <laughs> Sometimes they do, but they're not supposed to. Um, they don't get thrown in jail, but, you know, but they're, they're hurting themselves. Yeah. And the same with S-bombs. And ultimately, you're holding your, you will be hurting yourself if you don't have them. So you would use the example of Microsoft and, you know, the name, but... You know, a lot of these modules in, in, in software are made by John Jenkins um, in a basement somewhere, and they're up on mm-hmm. GitHub, right. and anybody can download them. Right, um, right. How do you see the, that open source piece fitting in? Because that's really, from, from my understanding, is where most of the vulnerabilities are. They're not really in the, the, the nameable, recognizable big companies. They're in you know, the mass amounts of little pieces of, you know, 2K bytes of code that you pull in from 10 different repositories? Well, um, actually, it's it's open source, which is probably the big driver for SBOMP. But um, when you talk about open source versus proprietary software, proprietary components, 90% of the components are open source nowadays. So, (laughs) and... Open source is huge, you know, like Mozilla 
I mean, well, Mozilla and then Chrome um, and, you know, lots of other software that you use every day is actually open source. Um, Linux, obviously. Um, so um, it, it, there's a little more in the way of vulnerabilities, but um, that's not the problem. It's just the problem is there's so much open so source many out there. People. It's like you, you yeah, so many. You're going to get a student in the basement that made something useful and now a thousand people use it. You know, he might not yeah. even know he has to register it. He just made something that worked for himself. Yeah, well, they, they, yeah, but again, if he wants to sell this product or he get more people using it, he's going to be able to, you know, if there were a registry. And right now, that's very speculative, you know, so whether you it could the happen. Registry actually helps that small person to get recognized so oh, they sure. could make a business model out of it. Sure. So it there would. is yeah, that I mean, incentive. That's interesting. Well, because they, you can't even find the guy unless you, <laughs> unless there's some, you know, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're looking for the name and let's say you're spelling it wrong and you just don't know, you know, you're, you don't have a place normally where you can just go and enter it and say, aha, oh, I got the, an I and an E mixed up. You know, that's what my problem is. Mm -hmm. um, so having a registry will do that. But I mean, it, but it's very huge, you know, and, and it, it would be absolutely a huge job and you'd have to, it would have to be distributed. Yeah. Um, so you would have like a registrar for the energy industry, maybe and a registrar for this industry, et cetera. And, and then they would have sub registrars perhaps, but you know, the idea is if there's, but that's pretty much how DNS works too. Mm -hmm. So it, it's certainly not a bad model, but on the other hand, it's not, there's no kind of big constituency behind it. Now, a lot of people would like to see it, but you know, no one is kind of banking on that. It. It's going to be in place in five years or something like that. Yeah. So this organization you co-lead NTIA. NTIA, right, right. Talk about that and what it is you're doing with the uh, SBOM. Well, NTIA is the organization that's running this software component transparency initiative and specifically, okay. The, and the, the, the one of the parts of the initiative is proofs of concept. Um, Starting the initiative started in 2018 with the healthcare industry, um, and they started a proof of concept for um, for SBOM use uh, for medical devices, um, and you know like pumps and hospitals and things. And so they um, so the suppliers, and it's it's right now it's a fairly small group. It's like five or six suppliers of you know, big ones like Abbott and Siemens um, that supply devices provide S-bombs. And then there's a group of big hospitals, Mayo and uh, Cedars-Sinai, you know, New York Presbyterian that use the S-bombs. And they, and they're, so basically they're working out the details, you know, the best way to produce, you know, best format. And, and, you know, all, a lot of this has been worked out already. Um, and so now there's an energy proof of concept, which I'm co-leader of, um, for, for the, we're calling it the energy industry. It's really specifically the electric power industry. Um, and there's one for the autos industry as well. 
um, you know, all the components that go in there in your car. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they're the customers are the, the big auto companies, you know, the ones they're, you know, the OEMs, the ones who produce the car Ford, you know, the, the car you buy. Um, and then, but all those components are obviously not produced by them. And so again, they have software in them, you know, they need S bombs. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's what they're, they're producing now. And so the, the component suppliers are producing S bomb. And again, it's a small group. It's not everybody, but, um, they're producing them. And then the, the, um, OEMs will consume them. And this is, this is still getting off the ground. I mean, our energy, uh, Proof of concept is also getting off the ground now too. We're kind of in an educational phase right at the moment. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so anyway, so we have basically three proofs of concept going on now. Healthcare is still going on and they're very active. They're still doing a lot of really good work. Um, but um, there will be more in other industries. They're not, you know, none of them are starting yet, but mm-hmm. there definitely will be more. Interesting. So, um, as kind of we're moving towards the end of our time here, mm-hmm. uh, tell our audience how they can get involved, how they can get a hold of you uh, about your blog URL and everything. Um, yeah. Well, my my blog is called Tom Aldridge's blog. It took me ages to figure out that name. I'll tell you. Yeah, that's a uh, tough one. Yeah, it was a tough one. Yeah, I had to pay a lot of money to consulting company to <laughs> to figure out that for me, but. Um, uh, no, it's it, Tom, A-L-R-I-C-H. You can just Google my name and you'll get the blog. Um, and, um, if you're interested in the proof of concept, um, and you don't have to be part of the energy industry to participate, at least for the educational part of it. So, uh, which is really good. I mean, we're doing, got some great speakers and things. And so, um, you can, in my blog, there's always a, a link to uh, or a, an email address to send for to become uh, you know put on the mailing list for the proofs of concept. So you know if you want to do it, you can do it, and there's no charge, uh, and it is open to anybody. I, I want to say not just um, all right, you know, not just energy people. Well, thanks so much for joining today, Tom. It's definitely been a pleasure, and look forward to uh, continuing to to work with you. Yeah, thanks, Christopher. I, I've enjoyed this. All right, thanks. Bye. Good. Save it, Max, and we can talk off the record here. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea... If you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at newcyberfrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.